Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right here, right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together. We'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly Encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly a journey to the other side. Heavenly Encounters. Welcome to today's debut of Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting live from Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your co-host, Jana Shakopovic, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. For those that have listened to our prior show, Health and Harmony, I thank you so much for joining us on this new adventure. You know, part of me is kind of sad to let that show go. We've done it for, gosh, Janice, what, we've been doing it for about, what, about 10 years or so? Oh, at least, at least. But like everything, you know, we need to evolve, and this is a topic that really needs to be talked about. So here's the whole show in a nutshell. There is no such thing as death. Our soul simply transitions out of our human container into another realm, which is hopefully heaven, just like walking from one room to another. Is that how you would describe it, Janice? Absolutely. And not only me, but most of the great masters that have written on death and on a spiritual path talk about it the same way, that it is only a transition, that nothing ever dies, nothing in the universe dies. And what's fascinating now is is the more metaphysics and uh science kind of merge, you know, with this kind of new science coming up, right. uh, you know, the fact is that they're, they're finding the same thing. Nothing in the universe dies. But I think when you look at it from a metaphysical point of view, uh, which a lot of people do, everything is energy, and you cannot destroy energy. No, absolutely So whether not. you're a bird, a cat, a rock, a table, you know, a human, something has to happen to that energy to transform into something else. Right. There's the belief that there is a divine spark of God, goddess within all of us. And that is the part that never, ever will die, never, ever can be killed. And that is the part of us that goes on. And I think, you know, this is actually something that people are starting to really start to talk about and they're actually starting to believe. But, you know, I think those are the great masters, those kind of in the spiritual community, this is kind of something that's just known. Uh, but one thing that might not be is that, and it's just as important, is that our physical death is actually an exit point chosen by that soul, 
which we will talk about a little bit later in the show, but it's, you know, even if someone leaves us at 24, they leave us at 10 years old, they leave us at 96, there is actually an exit point that they had, that they had decided before they actually came down to incarnate onto Earth. Absolutely. And a lot of people okay. hold a belief that over, the, over our lifetimes, we're, the, we're given more than one if we want to leave, Absolutely. which I find very fascinating, too. Well, it is. You know, there's a lot of times where you'll see someone that is diagnosed with cancer. They're stage four. They're not doing very well. And all of a sudden, they have this miraculous recovery, which it right. could have been an optional exit point, but they've decided not to take it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So now, you know, for those that continue to listen to our show in the upcoming weeks, you're going to get to know Janice a little bit better. But I've got to tell you, she spends a lot of time floating out in the ether. And unlike myself, you know, she's continuing communicating with the other side. And I think one of the, you know, you've had so many just amazing experiences. We have known each other probably most of that 15 years. But I think one of the most recent ones was with your friend Ed, who had crossed over. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, if anybody really remembers and they can go down and download it, we actually had Ed on the show one time talking about chakras. Oh, my and gosh, we did. People, yes. And while most people were interested, you know, in the first seven chakras, they're pretty knowledgeable about that. Ed was a great ma- uh, chakra master. I mean, he had studied under people. And so he could talk about all 108 of the chakras, and some believe there were even more. And um, we, I think we had him on talking about the chakra of prosperity. Ooh, that's and a good one. He, yeah, and he was telling everybody that there was a, a chakra that you could utilize in meditation to help, you know, to help you manifest what it, what it is that you wanted in your life. But Ed was a very good friend of mine. We talked on the phone every day, every other day. And um, within the last perhaps maybe five or six months, he went home, just like everybody goes home. And um, I think in his heart he must have known it. Um, What had happened was he had told his sister, and they lived next door to each other, that he was going to go on a um, crystal digging trip with his best friend and told several other people that he'd be out of town and... um, never went. And so nobody called him or really checked in on him because they thought he was gone. So one day his sister comes home from work, and it's a Sunday, and she thought, God, his mail has been building up, and I'm just going to take it inside and put it on his table. And she took it inside, and when she put it on the table, she could see his feet. And he had been dead for three days, the three days that he told everybody he was gone. And uh, it was such an incredible, incredible shock. But I think Ed had hit that point where, like we were talking about exit points, you know, the process, especially in the last two years, have been very, very hard for anybody walking a spiritual path. It's Mm -hmm. been filled with illness and death and obstacles to overcome. It, It didn't seem it was getting easier. It seemed to a lot of people that it was getting harder. And I think for Ed, his body just got so hard to live in that it wasn't really worth it anymore. And so I truly believe with my heart that he chose to go home and continue with his spiritual path without the limitations of the physical body. But you know what's interesting, though? He wasn't sick. There were no signs of any kind of heart disease, anything like that. 
And if you decide that this is your this is your exit point, it's amazing to me how you can just decide, okay, you know, I'm leaving, and your body gets up and goes. Yeah. Well, the last time I talked to him, he had said to me, "I'm working on something new," and I said, "Well, what is it?" You know. And he said, "Well, he goes, I'm not going to tell you, but if it works, you'll know." And hmm. so, you know, I called him every day, and right. I, the phone calls didn't come back, and then the surprise of what he was actually working on, that he was probably in some way setting it up so that, you know, he probably realized he had a door that he could walk through, and he was going to make sure he walked through that door, and he did. So was he intuitive enough to know that he had that option and that he yeah. decided he wanted to take it? Ed was one. If you saw him walking down the street, he was somebody you probably wouldn't have looked twice at. But he was one of the most amazing, amazing human beings, extraordinarily intelligent, like a walking encyclopedia. Read wow. books that came. It was just unbelievable. And if you needed to know Sanskrit, he studied Sanskrit, you know. Um, it was just really amazing. As a matter of fact, it's kind of funny. He got stuck along many years ago, stuck on his path. And he came to me and he said, Janice, I just can't, I don't know where this is. I can't get rid of it. And so he came up and I worked on him and I finally said to him, well, I found the blockage. It's in the 26th chakra above your head. And he kind of got <laughs> quiet and then he said, I got it. I go, you want me to work on you anymore? And he goes, no. And I left the room to leave him alone, and I busted out laughing, and I thought, I will probably never say that to another person that I'm working on for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, no, people are just starting to understand what chakras are and thinking that there are seven, much less that there's 108, and that healers could actually work on one chakra you know, at a time, much less the, you know, the 20, like you said, the 27 right. or whatever it was. And I've been noticing that they're writing books now. They call them micro chakras. And so, hmm. like, you've got your heart chakra, and then you've got right. little micro chakras that are around that. And I've noticed that there's a couple of books out now on micro chakras. So, but that was that was just, that was how far advanced he was, the, the 26th wow. chakra above his head. That's amazing. So I then know. once he did cross, I assume you have talked to him since then. Oh, yeah. I think um, you always appear to the people that you love. And he appeared right. to me to let me know he was okay. And the one thing was that he just couldn't stop smiling. He was very, very, very happy to be out of his body because Ed had fallen and injured his back. And he went to the hospital and they took x-rays and that. And what they didn't see was there was minute fractures. And so he just went along merrily lifting stuff. Nobody ever told him not to until his back was so damaged, you know, uh, that he was probably going to be in a wheelchair for life. And if you oh, knew wow. Ed, that's not that's not how Ed wanted to well, live. Well, that's not life. the way he wanted to live. No. And so it did was he explain like, to you? Did he explain to you the whole process of crossing over it all? What it was like? No, he just talked. He talked about just being so incredibly happy, and the fact mm-hmm. that he could go anywhere and do anything. I think now the questions that he had that bothered them here, they were answered over on the other side. And he just talked about living a life of no limitations, that he was literally not limited by anything where he was now. That's amazing. Just and I imagine think, you know, that. I mean, I, I mean, that's just amazing because all of us, 
even if we're not chronically ill, we have some kind of limitation that we have to live under, you know? Even people that have, like, three and four kids don't have the time to meditate maybe the the way they wish. Right. But just to live a life with no meditations, it's just amazing. But you think about it, you have no limitations. You're in this pure consciousness of nothing but love. That right. there's no, there's no hate, there's no anger, there's no, you know, guilt. There's nothing but just absolute pure joy and happiness. I know. I and mean, then, like I said, the questions that he wanted answered. Knowing Ed, he's sitting in the great library in heaven, amongst <laughs> <laughs> the stack of books, looking for all the answers that he couldn't find here. You know. Oh, absolutely. What a but great I guy. Do miss even... him. He was a beautiful soul, and I really do miss him. But, you know, it's kind of that sadness. Because every time I saw him, he was so incredibly radiant and happy. And so the sadness that I felt, you know, that I had lost a very, very good friend of mine was kind of, you know, muted by the fact that every time I saw him, he was just so happy. And I think what people probably you know to understand too is obviously we have our lessons here on Earth and the things that we want to accomplish. But there's just as much maybe sometimes even more that you can accomplish from the other side too. So if someone is taken very young, let's say at 18 years old, 24 years old, there's usually a purpose of why they are doing that, and there's some work that they are doing on the other side to help actually us here on Earth. Right, and for everybody that's listening to to remember, because if it's a child, I can't even imagine how hard that is. Um, I, I mean, I'm a cat person, and, 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 it, and you know, mm-hmm. I can cry for days when one of my cat passes away. But that everybody can contact you from the other side. You know, Mm -hmm. you can be contacted. It's sometimes that the grief is so overwhelming of the people that are left behind, behind. And that's really the barrier that keeps them from coming through is that overwhelming grief. Right. And I think what we're trying to say also is that just, you know, obviously we believe that there is no such thing as death. But as a human, it doesn't necessarily make it any easier when you lose someone. I mean, the pain is very, very real, whether it's a parent, a child, a friend. And we're not saying it's, you know, this is easy. It's not easy. But there is, I would think, something within you that knowing that that soul moves on and they're happy, they're not sick, they're free, they're in a wonderful, wonderful place, that that's got to help, you know, kind of that journey of grief, I would think. It does help, and and you're right, it hurts no matter what. Even though Mm -hmm. I know that he just walked through a door and left his body behind. You know, Mm -hmm. you still cry, you still grieve because of somebody that you loved. And you're going to miss, you know, every now and then I'll see something on TV or I'll read something and I'll think, i got to tell this dad. And, you know, then you have to stop and think, no, they're really not here anymore. You know? But they still, you know, they're still not out of reach. I know, you know, I've talked to yeah. so many people throughout the years, especially, you know, for 15 years here doing radio shows on the paranormal and the other side and the afterlife and everything else. You have people that kind of, you know, grab you and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? Right. And there are so many people that have experiences. Even my mom says, you know, I just, she feels her mother around her all the time. But for whatever reason, people are so afraid to really talk about it. I don't know if they want to be ridiculed, made fun of. Um, I mean, I've always been a little bit off-center most of my life anyway, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother me. But people just really don't want to talk about it. And I can only imagine, Janice, that they do the same thing, you know, with you as well. Yeah, well, you know, I was raised Catholic. 
And one of the things that that, uh, I know a lot of times happens is the Blessed Virgin would appear to somebody. Mm -hmm. And if that ever happened to anybody and they went in and reported to a priest, that was the first thing the priest would say. Don't tell anybody. You know, so you're having one of the most extraordinary experiences of your life, you know. And Mm -hmm. even doctors now, um, uh, doctors, uh, they will have doctors that will go in and in in children or in people that have near-death experiences, they have doctors that go in and want to talk to them and, you know, what did you see, what did you hear, where did you go, you know, did you communicate with anybody. So even the doctors sometimes now are starting to come around. And thank God we live in a place now where mentally, hopefully, where there, there are becoming less and less limitations about what we can think about and express. Well, I think so, too. And, you know, something to think about is, you know, how we've all been programmed from the time we were a child with all the beliefs and the limiting beliefs and, and everything else. And I was, you know, raised Catholic as well, and I'm still a practicing Catholic. And, you know, it you think about the people around you, your parents, your aunts and uncles, your cousins, your friends, and you take on really the beliefs of your community. And if it's some someplace that really frowns upon this kind of a conversation, you just don't want to talk about it. No. And I think one of those people actually was my husband, Joe. I mean, for 40 years, he didn't tell anyone that when he was, you know, about age 14, his brother came to him after he died. And, you know, we met well, we met, I should say. We knew each other in high school, but when I was around 50 is when we kind of, um, I came back to Crystal Lake and, you know, we ran into each other. And obviously he noticed it was, you know, a little tad off center and it kind of gave him the space to talk about it. <laughs> and that's kind of what this entire show is about, is giving and creating a space for someone who may not be able to talk to someone else to actually call in and talk about their own experiences and know that, this is something that we understand and we believe in, and it's it's really normal. The other way of being is actually quite, I don't want to say abnormal. Um, right, and, and for people out there that read their Bibles, even in the Bible it said, you know, that there were the, God created the visible and the invisible. And right. the invisible is around us all of the time, talking to us whether or not we hearing hear it, touch right. it, whether or not we're feeling it. It is around us as much as the air is that we breathe. Well, you think of, you know, think of a dog whistle. It's at such a high frequency that we can't hear it, but a dog can hear it. Exactly. And that's the way I look at other dimensions. Everything is at different frequencies, so we aren't able to hear it or see it, where there are some very, very gifted people that actually are be able to see beyond the veil. Right, exactly. Such as yourself. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm hoping that Joe is on the phone. I am here. You're on Hello. the phone. Mary Elizabeth and Janice. Well, thank Hello, you so much. how are you, oh lucky one? Oh, I am very <laughs> blessed. That, uh, I want, first of all, I want to congratulate both of you on your new radio show. I enjoyed listening to the old ones, but I'm looking forward to the new one. Why, oh, thank you. Thank you. And I know this is something that I know you haven't talked about for a very long time until probably a few years ago. And it's really funny because the first time he told me, he just didn't know what to think. And he was afraid to tell anybody else. And then, you know, now he's telling it to anybody that wants to listen. So That's ironic because, yes, I never wanted to tell anybody. Right. And now you have me talking on this radio show. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, she was a little more off-center than you thought, right, Joe? (laughs) Well, it still makes me a little nervous because 
I, I wanted, I'm telling the truth, but I want people to believe me, but it's so, it seems so far out there yeah. that, you know, for people like you might believe it, that if I would tell anybody else, they'd be like, Joe, you really are off your rocker. But see, the yeah. irony of this entire situation is I've been talking about this stuff for, I think, about 15 years now. You have had so many more experiences than I ever have. Well, I mean, that's that's what's actually, and it's not funny, but... It, no, you know, no, but see, everybody has losses in their life. Oh, absolutely. Everybody has, you know, grandparents. I mean, I've lost grandparents, but I've lost, uh, you know, my cousin that was like nine years old, and him and I were like uh, my middle finger and my index finger. We were that close together. Right. Um, you know... And then I lost my second oldest brother, and it kind of changed my whole family uh, elements. But then uh, 17 months later, I lost my brother Corky, and this is an experience that I never told anybody till Mary, you know, I told Mary, and she had me, you know, bring it more into light to some of my family. I really don't know if they believe me or not. But if I could tell my story, if that's all right with you girls. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I would love. I would love. All right. It's still very difficult for me, but um, I was three doors down from where my parents live. And I was about 14 years old when my oldest brother was killed. We didn't know this at the time, but what was happening that night, um, I was at a friend's house. And it was very late in the evening, I'd say about 2 o'clock early in the morning, and we were all getting ready to lay down. And um, I had my oldest brother, his real name is James, but we nicknamed him Corky. He came to me, and, um, and this is the feeling that I had. I felt that I couldn't move any part of my body. Like, I tried to wake up, I tried to move, nothing would move. My, I couldn't move my legs and my arms. I re- actually really tried to get up out of this state. But I felt like I kind of almost left my body and, and met with my brother, and he was telling me that he was leaving. He didn't tell me he was, he was gone, dead. He was leaving. And... It was such an overwhelming sensation, and it was a it was a beautiful thing though. Wherever I was at with him, um, I actually cried because I'll tell you the reason I cried. I cried because I was so happy. I had an incident when Corky, my oldest brother, left for New Orleans for a couple weeks, and I was probably oh five or seven, somewhere in that age. Well, I missed him so bad that I cried, and everybody made fun of me. But this is the feeling I had because I missed him so much. I mean, I, I, I just love Corky so much, but I loved I, I was in a good place wherever this was. So, um, what did, I mean, do you remember where you were? Were you still in the room? I, I, don't remember, I don't remember ever recalling any sadness until I actually got back into my body. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't remember any sadness or any grief or anything like that. Um, all I remembered is that I was really going to miss him. And I mean, it's a happy. It was a happy cry, believe it or not. But um, so, anyways, 
um, I could hear the pounding on the door downstairs and everybody getting up but me, and I was still trying to move my arm, move my legs, get up out of bed, and I wasn't able to because I felt that I've left my body and went into the spirit world and met my brother, Corky. And he talked to me. I hugged him just like I, I was alive, but it wasn't really my body, if that makes any sense. Yes. So we hugged. We talked. He told me that I had to take care of my family. He told me that he was leaving, and um, I could hear this pounding on the door. And when I finally woke up, I ran downstairs. It was my sister telling me that um, my brother was in an accident and that they don't know if he's dead or alive. And I kept telling myself, it's not real, it's not real, it's not him, it's not him. But in the back of my mind, I, I kind of knew it. And that's, that was a sad thing. Is, well, I mean, that was when the sadness overtook me because it just drove me crazy to know that I had that dream or whatever it was. I left my body and met with Corky. And then I had to go find out um, at a funeral home where they had a body because there was two individuals, one of them were dead in the car accident, and they didn't know who it was. So anyways, uh, it, was, it was very difficult for me, and I just kept on telling myself, this isn't real, it's not quirky, it's not quirky, and I prayed that it wasn't him. But at the end of it, it was my brother, um, it's a very sad thing to lose somebody you love. The only piece I have out of this is that I know that he's in a very good place. Now, didn't he tell you at one point, or maybe this was your other brother, that if he came back, he would come back as a hawk? Oh, yes. Um, there, there, um, my oldest brother said that he would actually come back bird and um and mary and i just had a, a beautiful thing at our wedding it was just incredible um we had an outside wedding and we did we had a, a hawk mm -hmm. fly right over the top of um our wedding and my sister-in-law and i believe maybe my mom saw it but i know mary and i did and to me that was just a a form of my brother's spirit coming by mm -hmm. saying, hey, I'm here. And the thing oh, was, too, when, when, I, when I believe he came down, and tell me if I'm wrong, but we were lighting candles yes. for his dad, for his two brothers, and everybody else that had, you know, passed in our lives. And it was at that moment where he, the hawk just kind of dove down. Now, I didn't see it. Um, Joe saw it. You know, his brother's wife saw it. And I guess the people that needed to see it at that exact moment actually saw it. Yeah, yeah. And there was one other thing, too, is there was a, um, you can probably tell the story better than I can, but where we had our wedding, there was a good friend of Joe's that also had, had crossed. And, you know, we were doing everything we could to make sure the lawn was nice and flowers and everything else. And for the exact day of our wedding and that one day only, there was a yeah. huge sunflower that bloomed in this rock garden that he'd actually created before he left. Yeah. Oh, my so God. There were, there were a lot of signs, and I think a lot of people, if they really truly do believe, um, 
there are signs everywhere. I mean, the same thing for my dad. You know, he always tells me, gosh, I, I wish I could get some kind of sign, you know, from my dad. But he's constantly looking down because he's picking up coins everywhere. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's, that's, your, that's your dad. That's how he gets to you is dropping coins. And that's, I mean, I guess feathers are another thing that yeah. are very common. Right. But, and, you know, I even remember I was talking to you. We were talking about this at Easter and Joe, your sister was telling me, well, you know, I, have a, I think it was a cousin that had committed suicide, and she came to her in a dream and right. said, you know what, I'm at peace now. And I just wanted to say, and I did tell her, that's not a dream. I mean, it was a dream, but that was actually her coming to you. That was the way that you would actually, you know, be able to listen to her and see her was in a dream, and that's how many of our loved ones come to us as well. Yes, well, absolutely. I don't know how, how many people, I guess I guess everybody is, but I know for some reason that my sister Sharon and myself, we're, we're, we're pretty close, but for some reason when she has dreams, they just really come true. And, um, you know, I, I've been very spiritual but been afraid to let anybody know. Um, I'm, I mean, it's it's still... I don't know how far to go because you girls with this chakra things and stuff like that, I mean, I'm not sure about it, but I am more open to everything. Right. Well, what's what's your other experience that you had? You had another out-of-body experience as well. Well, this has happened to me when I was, gosh, I don't even know. How old are you when you're like in second grade, like eight years old? Yeah, seven, eight years old, somewhere okay. there. So what happened was... Um, Really good friend of mine, Dave Pickett and myself, we were playing by this hotel over by the manor, and I actually fell in um, like the sewer cesspool. And I went home that evening, and I buried my clothes under some dirty clothes and went to bed, but I woke up, and I had had 104 fever. They rushed me to the hospital. Um, They really, I mean, they just, told my parents after about two or three days that I couldn't break this fever that um, that I was going to die. I mean, they, they gave me a spinal tap, which I'm not sure. Um, I was too young to really kind of remember this, but I do remember. Um, and, and this I never mentioned because I thought it was just because I was sick. Right. Um, but I remember leaving my body looking down at myself and everybody down working on me. And I remember my dad in the hallway, you know, just really being mad and crying. And my dad's not one to cry in public, so he was just very angry, and I think he was really angry at God. And I, and I, and I tried to tell him, and I was up in the, I was looking above my dad and I was trying to tell him everything's going to be okay everything's going to be okay well from what I understand spinal taps are very painful well I've never I never felt it I wasn't even in my body so I couldn't feel it so um that was those are two of the experiences I really can tell you that I had an out of body experience hmm. Now, I know this is something we have, we've had conversations about, and I know you don't believe it, but so you can, if you want to hang on or mute the phone, whatever you want to do, it's fine. 
but you know, you think about it. Here's a family who's lost two sons, you know, 17 months apart, one on Mother's Day, and you know, here's Joe. Also, this was prior to both, you know, those accidents where they thought he was going to die. I mean, that's a lot for one family to really take on. Oh but, yeah. You know, Janice, and, and in situations like this, I know it's so hard to believe. Why in the world would we plan this kind of thing? But there really is you know, what what we kind of call it from the spiritual side, pre-birth planning uh, that allow us to learn the life lessons on earth that we've come here to learn. So can you kind of explain what that is? Well, I always used to tell people, like when we talk about karma, that there are mm-hmm. the lords of karma, and that is plural. Because for us to come back down and to reincarnate, you know, you're weaving a tapestry, You know, it's past lessons and past lives and past learning experiences. And our lives might not have been limited to just Earth, you know. Right. God only knows. That's really pushing it out there for the first show. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you never know. Um, Right, exactly, exactly. But um, to come back, it's like weaving a tapestry. It's a very, very intricate, intricate grid. And so it isn't like saying, that's it, it's over, I want to go home. You know what I mean? And so for whatever reasons, we never know. I mean, it might have been that um, these two young boys died for themselves, or they could have died for somebody in the future. Um, Think in terms of a man that is uh, going to be a doctor. And he's going to cure polio, or he's going to cure some disease. And he is born with that disease to have the experience of knowing what it's like. And when he has all the experience he has, he leaves. Well, to us, he's died of this disease. But what we don't know is that maybe, you know, a 100 years in the future, he will come back with so much knowledge from both realms and be able to find a cure or find a, a a way to make people that are going through this, their lives much, much easier. And that's the kind of, of trouble you run into, is that you never really know. Right. You never you know, really they also, know. Well, they also say, too, you know, the, the good die young. And I, you know, I almost think for a reason it's because they've completed their life lessons on earth, that they came I here to do... Too. What they were supposed to do, and unfortunately, sometimes by leaving early, that means that the rest of us that are left have life lessons that we need to know. And I know, Joe, your family has gone through more than anything I could possibly imagine, but you look at it from the other side, and they all came out with flying colors, you know, loving each other as you know, much as they possibly can, and just really a tight, cohesive family, which if that happened to someone else in a different family, that might not have happened. It might have drove just everyone apart. Yeah, but I, I would just really like to know, you know, I mean, I've talked to a couple of people that had these out-of-body experiences. Mm-hmm. This is why I've never talked to anybody about it until uh, my wife came along and, and because she was talking to the spiritual world, I opened up to her. But, I mean, I would like to know that, there's other people probably just like me that were afraid to come out and have these experiences because um, 
because of they're afraid to tell anybody because I mean, if I would tell anybody in the past, I would, I would feel that uh, they would think I, I was nuts. But but that's the whole reason why we're doing this show. Yeah. Is for people to be able to call up and say, and, you know, for the first show we're probably not going to have our lines open, but from here on out we definitely will, and just be able to ask us questions to tell us what happened to them. Um, I think it's just really important, and the shows I've done before is exactly what we've done and I mean there's even been a couple where I just remember one show specifically I'm not sure if you were with me or not Janice where this one person was having all just a horrible horrible time she was in an abusive relationship she didn't understand what she had done wrong and there was just a wonderful woman on the show at the time that was a guest that pretty much kind of saved her I mean she was ready to commit suicide but because of understanding why she was there, what her purpose was, why this could potentially be happening to her and how she could potentially get out, she didn't. So yeah. I think it's something that's, and it doesn't have to be quite so dramatic, but I think it's no, just so but, important but to have those conversations. For you, Joe, number one is if Ed would have been given a choice, stay or leave, he would have leapt so far, so mm-hmm. fast to get out of here. Not that he didn't like being alive, but he walked a path where he knew he would have no limitations. And right. our bodies, unfortunately, ages, our soul only, they only rejuvenate. And then number two, if you were probably to look at a percentage, my guess would be that something close to 95% of the people have experiences like you have. Mm-hmm. And they don't say anything either to anybody or only to a close friend. Mm-hmm. And right. but the but the world is full all over and especially if you start reading books on reincarnation, you find out that the experiences that people are having in India are the same as in Africa, are the same as right. in China, are the same as what we're talking about now. It's just part of the process of living. Dying well, I think is part too. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say dying is part of that process right. of living because it's the rebirth that we always talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think that where we are right now with the kind of consciousness that we're in, people are finally opening up. I mean, you're seeing it in the media. You're seeing it in entertainment. I mean, you look at the movie that was just released, you know, Heaven is for Real. It was exactly right. you know, what we had just talked about. A little boy, you know, hovers over... His hotel room, his appendix had burst, and he sees his mom, he sees his dad. And, it, you know, his dad was a pastor, of all things, and has a hard time really believing his son at the beginning. Well, I never made it to heaven, though. That <laughs> <laughs> I know, remember. But the one thing, though, honey, remember you felt pure happiness. No, that was with Corky. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Okay. But that was that still that happiness. Don't you think, Janice, that was, you may not have been oh, in heaven, well, but sure, you were definitely in a different country. What, what probably happened state. was Corky was probably in heaven before he got yeah. a chance to come down and say goodbye. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. That's, that's, that's so incredible to me. I mean, there's there's no way anybody could ever tell me i mean they could tell me i'm crazy whatever but uh, i mean this is the absolute truth there's there i mean i don't know how to express that i mean this has actually happened to me and it's just um but you know after the, after the 15 years of you know janice and i doing radio and everything else this is so common 
Uh, yeah. And I said we talk to people all the time that are so afraid of talking about it. And, right. you, know, when you, and you know what Ed used to say? Ed used to say he hated the English language because there were no words to express some of the feelings and experiences that we had. And right. I think he's right. There is there there are you like you look for the most wonderful, magnificent to try to put that emotion into words and it does not translate. I think Ed's right. You can't put that feeling into words. But it's no, a life changing yeah, well, experience. That's, that's just about it. That's just about that feeling I had. Um and, and that I just can't express. <laughs> right. Well, honey, thank you so much for sharing that. I really do appreciate it. I know it took a lot to do it, but I hope it definitely, you know, will open up other people to either call in or have that discussion, you know, with with someone that they trust as well. Okay, well, thank you very much for having me on. This was a, quite of a surprise that just kind of got thrown <laughs> at me. That I, <laughs> well, I am so well, glad enough you to tell have you me. about it. Because that's what we need is people not that have, you know, written books about right. it, but people that have actually gone through it and Absolutely. not quite understood what was happening, but knew what a wonderful, beautiful experience it is. Mm-hmm. And plus, don't you feel like there's kind of a burden that's off your shoulders? It does. It, feel, it feels good. And think of the people you may have helped by talking about your experience of someone that Absolutely. they have lost or someone that has had a similar experience as well. Right. So it, it always, you've helped probably more people than you realize. Well, that would be awesome. That would be. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, so honey. Thank you me on. You're welcome. Okay, good luck. Bye, Joe. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, let's, you know, I kind of want to go back uh, to this whole pre-birth planning. Again, you can't imagine that you would be planning these kind of events, but from a soul perspective, you know, there's just so much growth that yeah. that is there. And I think, you know, with as you do your planning, and I know for some this is probably hard to believe too, but if it doesn't resonate with you, that's fine. But, you know, we do we do incarnate with soul groups. We choose our mother or father, probably who, you know, maybe several different options of who we may marry if we have kids, um, and other different things in our life, our personality traits, you know, what day we're going to be born. And I think this all plays a role in what our life will be like. And not only that, but, you know, we don't know when we sit down and, with the Lords of Karma and make that plan. If we're planning right. for only one reincarnation, are the next mm-hmm. three? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's what makes it so intriguing because it might be you're sitting down with your soul group planning three next incarnations, you know, and right. they don't necessarily absolutely. have to be successive. But it's just a, a beautiful intricate dance that we dance and it's almost like it's, writing a plot to your life you know exactly. how it's going to kind of pan out right and it's not that exactly. saying that there's not free will but you might say you know what i want to um you know have cancer at the age of 35 and just to to learn you know to love myself to learn how to heal to you know whatever that life lesson might be and that's why it's always so important, especially from a spiritual perspective, never to judge someone. And I know sometimes exactly. that it does happen. It's like, well, gee, if you know all of this, how did you get sick? You know, we're right. still human, Well, there, and there's kind of a saying that goes, you know, that you never judge, like if you're walking down the street and see a hobo, you know, mm-hmm. or a homeless person, that you never, ever judge them because what you could be looking at is a master 
you know, earning their wings. Absolutely. And it's still every single person is a child of, uh, child of God. And you look at what Mother Teresa said, you know, she would look at the poorest of the poor and she would see Jesus. And that's how exactly. we really do need to look at people. And I think, you know, one of the most profound things um, when it comes to this pre-birth planning, I think, for me at least, is that the souls that love us the most often take the roles that harm us the most on earth. Yeah. And, you know, and that's another way to look at it, too. I mean, years ago, gosh, I think it was, I don't even remember, 15 years ago, I was just in a, what started off as a wonderful relationship that went south very, very fast. It would turn into be very emotionally abusive. And, you know, I obviously got out of it, but I had protection orders filed. You know, he had death threats against me, all sorts of things, just constant, constant harassment. But what it really taught me at the end was that, you know, I learned how to stand up for myself and to speak right. my mind and, you know, other things as well. And I remember I was told at one point that in order to, you know, move beyond the rest of my life, I had to survive that that part of my life, which obviously right. I did. And, and I listened to my guidance because I basically broke up, got on a plane and got the heck out of there, which is probably what saved my life. But, you know, to look back at it in those terms, that those are the people that do love you the most because they take those, you know, horrible roles um, to help teach you a lesson in a lifetime, you know, it just really shows us not to judge anyone because you don't know why they're there. Right. And that judgment comes from that part of that duality that, you know, we live in this world so duality is second nature to us. And when we have experiences like Joe and you had, you know, I had, we, you know, we're suddenly dealing with the one right. where everything is one. And that is their world, and that's natural to them, but it's foreign a lot to us. Because, you know, you look at a person that you really don't like, but how many of, of us can generate and, and really acknowledge that, you know, they are loved as much by God and they are our brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and they might be horrible people, but in duality, it's very easy to do. But, it, you know, sometimes you look at some of these people that live, especially through history, and you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, it's just, you know, it's very, very hard to look at some of these people and think that, you know, that was really my spiritual brother or sister or that we mm-hmm. are one. Oh, absolutely. And that's what makes it hard for a lot of people. Oh, I think it does. And I think, you know, when there's lessons, which, you know, I totally believe that we are here to learn specific lessons in order for our soul to evolve. And you have a certain lesson, let's say, um, patience. You keep on confronting situations where you have to learn patience. And you'll keep confronting those situations until you actually do. And so right. if there's somebody that just annoys the heck out of you, um, you're going to keep on being annoyed until you actually can, like, look at that person and say, hey, yeah, you are my brother, you are my sister. And feel right. love for that person rather than annoyance, which right. is really kind of a hard thing sometimes to understand. And I don't care how many times you've probably incarnated, it's still, it's still difficult. It's, you know, we're not saying it's easy by any means. No, and, and, and not even, the, you know, sometimes the great masters. It's, it's why mm-hmm. I think sometimes they walk off into caves or Christ walked on the water, you know, just every time you need some time to yourself. You know what I mean? To oh, cool absolutely. down because somebody's dealing with these people on a regular basis sometimes has to be overwhelming. Oh, I would think so. And I think, you know, it's, the show has been such an inspiration to me. I know we've, we have talked about this 
for quite a few months about doing something just a little bit different. And we've always talked about this subject, but we've done it maybe one out of every four or five shows. And I think we are to the point there is just so much, I think, agitation in the world today that if you can start learning just kind of these simple lessons, it will make things just so much easier. Right, and especially to realize that, you know, this time now is even though we're kind of like in, 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 you know, there's all sorts of things that are, not, you know, not happening that are for the good of the majority of people, we're still, you know, entering that golden age, you know, and it's always like rough, you know, the storm always comes before the serenity of the water, you know, but to just constantly remember that it is a, a spiritual experience too. It's not just economic and it's not just health, but it is a spiritual experience too. And the spiritual experience is already written and it's going to be a beautiful experience. Oh, absolutely. And I think, like you were saying, we're, we are entering into this golden age. And I think because of that, this is a subject that's really coming to light. I mean, there's a, just a wonderful young Lithuanian girl who is now painting her visions of heaven. I mean, it's been on all the news. Uh, it's, it's just incredible. Um, you know, there's a woman in Bulgaria that they've reported on that actually experiences being nailed to the cross like Jesus did. You know, the stigmata wow. appears on her hands and feet. Her, her head starts bleeding from the, the crown of thorns. And this is stuff that you would never really hear about. You know, what you were talking about before, about having, you know, Mother Mary appearing in windows and, you know, in just what seem to be very odd places. Right. It's almost like the raising of consciousness and people are finally able to start talking about this. And I think that's what's also, you know, why we did the show when we did. Um, exactly. Because people are finally ready. You know, I think we were ready probably 10 years ago, but probably nobody else was. <laughs> yeah. And then for other people, like with Joe, you know, I mean, how long has he kept this, this most wonderful experience that happened to him, mm-hmm. you know, kind of locked up in his heart and never mm-hmm. really had anybody to share it with? Or, you know, I mean, that's just the, the most beautiful thing that happens to you. You should be able to share with everyone, you know? And oh, absolutely. I, I think of the the peace I would think that you would get from knowing that, that knowing that he's okay, that he's in a better place and he's happy and, you know, you'll the be re- reunited that you talk again. To, right, says, God, that happened to me too. And oh, suddenly you're not alone. Absolutely. You know, we're talking about exit points and, I think the best example of, you know, a planned exit points, which we all have, like you said, there's some that are optional, some that are final, but I don't know if you remember, there was a couple in the news that were married 70 years, and they died 15 hours apart. Yeah. And you know, there was a, there was a pre-birth contract that, that they would go basically together, you know, one first, yeah. then the other. I had another good friend of mine, the same thing happened, but it was with his two dogs, they died. They were both. Um, they were healthy, and with 24 hours, both dogs were gone. And it's the same thing. It's not just humans. It's also animals and other creatures. Absolutely, as well. because you know God created them in that divine spark. Although it may be different than ours, because a mm-hmm. lot of people that believe in reincarnation believe that we start, you know. Um, as a lower form, and we get to the fact that we are human. 
So that hawk, you know, the fact that um, Joe's brother could come back, you know, and and actually be at your wedding wedding by riding on the wings of a hawk, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's just beautiful. But there are people that really believe that we inhabit, you know, um, different life forms. That's why a lot of people are vegetarians because they truly believe that that Hmm. pig or that cow has a soul, and that soul is no different than our soul. Well, I mean, I have absolutely no doubt that animals have souls. I know most probably animal people absolutely believe that as well. And somewhere we're here in the next couple of months, we're actually going to do a show, you know, on that as well. I don't know if I quite believe, though, that we actually reincarnate to start off as maybe like a bird or a dog or, you know, a horse and then evolve into a human. I, I don't know, but that but that is, you know, when I started reading about the uh, reincarnation, um, there was a belief in, in some sections that, that that did happen. I didn't know hmm. either. Um, I, you know, um, I do remember reading one time that uh, when God created the earth, that when they talk about how we fell, you know, is that the angels right. were fascinated by God's creation. And so it wanted to fly, wanted to know what it was like to be a hawk, wanted to know what it was like to be a bird or what it would, you hmm. know, and finally came down so far from the frequency into a vibration that they couldn't get out again. Oh, wow. And that was another thing that I had read, and that's how some of these people, you know, got caught. Some of these angels got caught because they were enthralled and they wanted an experience and realized, did not realize that that experience, by lowering themselves that much, would keep them from being able to go back to who they really were. Oh, interesting. We well, you know we have got about five minutes left, and I have not gotten to my horse story. My first, oh, my first must. heavenly encounter with a horse and a rider back from the 1920s. For some odd reason, I happen to see these rips in time. I don't see a lot, but that's what I've seen, along with um, some of my cats that have crossed racing around the house. And I can only imagine. Imagine what you have seen, which we'll talk about that with the next show. But next month, you can join us on Wednesday, May 14th at 7 p.m. Central for a discussion and real-life accounts of near-death experiences. So that will be interesting. You know, yeah, I've read so many books on it. So. Every single person that has one always says, I just, I just don't want to come back, that right. they want to stay there in that loving consciousness and they just say, my gosh, it's how beautiful and just serene it really is. So I know you're going to talk to a near-death experience group in St. Louis, and we'll yes, have a couple of people actually, on. from the national talking. organization, yeah, and we're going to see. I'm going to contact them and see if they'll, be, uh, they'll come on because that's what they specialize is dealing with people that have near-death experiences because a lot of people, you are absolutely right, a lot of people get in this place of absolute bliss and love and do not want to come back, and they can't move on because it's not their time and are really upset when they have to come back here. Right. But usually they're given information and something to come back with as well. Yes, and it changes them forever. Wonderful. Well, you know what time it is? It is time for Illuminations. Illuminations. It's time for Illuminations. Food for your mind. Okay, Janice, do you have uh, illumination for us? 
I do, and this was written by my master guide, and it is dedicated to Christiana. Everyone heals themselves. They just need the wisdom, knowledge, and faith in order to do so. If you can give a person the first two qualities, they can gain the third, and you are more blessed, for they can heal themselves and in turn help someone else by giving the other people what you have given to them. This is karma. This is following in the footsteps of the great masters. Oh, wow, that is beautiful. Mine's a little simpler than that. But its death is no more than passing from one room to another. But there's a difference for me, you know, because in that room, in that other room, I shall be able to see. And that's from Helen Keller. Oh, I love that. And I think that's one thing that's really important to note, not getting into the subject, um, but, you know, no matter how sick, if you're blind, you're deaf, no matter what um, illness you may have on the earth plane, once you cross, you're healthy again and whole again. Right, so and the limitations, someone, the limitations yeah. are only physical, as Helen Keller uh, so brilliantly proved. Right, and, you know, for, for those that are sick that have crossed, and obviously we want to keep our parents, our grandparents here as long as we can, but know that they're healthy and young again on the other side, you know, is such a blessing. Yes. So, Janice, I want to thank you for, once again, another fascinating show. I want to thank Joe, obviously, for, for sharing uh, his story for us and with all the wonderful listeners for joining us once again. Until next month, be inspired, be empowered, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. Good night. Good night.